This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm always joined by my guy, or betting writer, Mr. Matt Russell. How are you doing, my dude? Yeah, tremendous. How could we not be, right? We had a nice little week uh, in week four, though it's funny. You know, there's always something, right, in in, uh, <laughs> in the NFL in week four that'll like kind of grind at you. There's a couple of issues for me not getting the absolute best of the number on a couple of games. But while we had a really good week, I know you're going to mention your uh, record here in a little bit. Uh, I went and I found like the three losers, basically, <laughs> that I had on my entire board from a point spread standpoint. I think I, you know there was four or five of them in total. But three losers I find and put those in as my contest picks. One of those was sort of an intentional risk. The Saints uh, were plus two and a half in the contest line. But I knew, little contest strategy theory here for you, I knew that we were going to have everybody and their dog on the Minnesota Vikings plus, or excuse me, minus two and a half. Mm-hmm. And I already like the Saints, obviously like them better, a plus three, even obviously plus three and a half, which went ahead and cashed. But we were going to get like 10 to 1 with a ratio of people on the Vikings versus the people who were on the Saints. So you like, it's kind of a poker thing, right? Anybody who's yeah. listening to this who also likes to or are used to like to play poker, you know, you understand the concept of pot odds. And so we had 10 to 1, basically. 10 L's for every 1 W we're going to get handed out. And so I'm like, okay, let's take a shot here with the Saints. And of course, it comes down to a second 60 yard, uh, 60 plus yard kick. Yeah, the distance is good. It seemed like the angle was going to be good, but it takes those crazy bounces. Had an opportunity to go off the upright and in, and then had an opportunity to go off the back of the crossbar and in, and did neither of those things. And so we end up going two and three overall in the contest. Now, if you said to me, hey, you're going to be 14 and six to start the first 20 games of the Circa Millions contest, I would have absolutely signed that up for that before the start of the season. But it's those kinds of bounces, right, that go from a W to an L. Not that we were guaranteed to get a W because, of course, that game would have gone to overtime and who knows what would have happened there. But we would have been on the good side of a tie if they weren't able to get everything figured out in overtime there. So, again, there's always something, right? So that sets me off for the entire day. (laughs) And even though we're racking up victories left and right throughout the rest of the day, I'm just still thinking about that stupid 60-plus yard double doink uh, in London. It's always the what if, right? That'll always get you each and every week in the NFL, but that's the beauty of it. That's the fun of what we do here. And just to let the people know, always remember to like and subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast. Just search On Blast Podcast. You can find us everywhere. You can even watch a video on YouTube, on Twitch. We got everything up there as well. If you ever need your picks, also know that eventually whenever you see this pod, if you don't watch it live, you don't listen to it live, You can scroll through and just find the game of your choice and click ahead to that game and find out what we have to say about that game in particular. We just try to hit you with the goodness throughout each and every game of the NFL season. And as I like to say, I try to come out here, give you the Joe public pick, what I'm thinking, where I'm leaning. And then my guy Matt comes in with the information and education on where the line was, where it is, and where it could be going. And here's the thing. The entire point of this podcast was made last week because I was out here. I'm just trying to be like you, the listener, right? I'm here making my picks. I'm trying to see where I'm leaning, but I have the benefit of a score betting analyst, betting writer, Mr. Matt Russell to help me out. And not once, 
And not twice, not three times, but four times last week, I said I was leaning here or I needed a little extra help. And I listened and I changed my pick. And not one time and not two times and not three times, but four times those games all won. And you know what happens there? It switches a six, eight and two week to a 10, four and two week. And that, my friends, is exactly the goal of what we're trying to do on this podcast. And that becomes a lot of fun because you look at a season overall record, 36, 25, and three. It's early. We're going to take that. We're going to take that early on in the season because as I, I know that, and you know, Matt, there, there are some weeks where I'm a little harder to convince. You know, <laughs> I'm a little harder. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But That's early right. on, so far, so good. You were getting wild with the card last Thank week. Thank you. You were getting wild with the card last week, and I liked it, right? It was like you said, four different cards where you flipped on it. Uh, but the other thing is, and this is you know a little bit more deeper in the weeds, but we'll pat ourselves on the back here a little bit here. I'm willing to bet, and certainly off of the two uh, pushes from last week, you know, we do this podcast on Wednesday, comes out Wednesday night, Thursday morning, something along those lines. Those two pushes were very likely wins for people who were listening and betting on the games, right? Because when we talk about those lines, those were Baltimore, uh, Buffalo, and the aforementioned uh, Saints and Vikings games, right? When when uh, Kamara gets ruled out, certainly, but even before that, when Michael Thomas gets ruled out, that line goes from three to three and a half. And so if you're listening to the show and you're, and you're hearing us talk about how we like plus three, and honestly, nothing about those two guys being ruled out, changed anything for me um if you're listening you're going oh they like plus three oh man i can get plus four i can get plus four and a half now right that's a w in your column even though it's a push in you sheldon's column mm. and my column who had you know got a little greedy and grabbed the plus three uh early on in the week but the same thing was baltimore uh goes for baltimore and buffalo where that line was available at plus three and a half, right? So there are people out there who are getting the wins there. This isn't, you know, these aren't pushes that like, we oh, we got some like magical line or we did the thing where, oh yeah, we're buying things up to plus three for minus 130 or something along those yeah. lines, right? These are early on in the week. Okay, what is this line? It's three now. But again, because you're listening to us after the fact, you're getting wins with those pushes. So uh, hopefully that helped everybody out there. Yeah. And I mean, I try to, what we're doing here, if there's something that drastic that happens and I'm able to catch it before game time, I'll be on Twitter and I'll full on say, Hey, this is what's going on. We talked about this on whatever, but you know, and that's why I put up Matt's uh, Twitter account as well that yep. you make sure. Cause that's how you find out the goodness right before game time, late game changes, more information, maybe even a better, you know, betting odd or something pops up right before game time that's why it's so important to make sure that you follow along on twitter as well and we're just trying to give you a lean right now midway through the week as we get to all the whole grain goodness that is the nfl season so yes i mean i don't know how many times i, I kind of have a thing in my mind once you have these um like overall if i can get to double digits wins i'm always like okay that's cool i'll take that that's a that's a good that's a good time for that's sure good time so Going to try to build on that. Going to try to keep that moving as well. And let's get started, as we always do, with Thursday night football. We got the Colts at the Broncos. Broncos favored by three in a battle of who's more washed, Matt Ryan or Russell Wilson. <laughs> now, the Broncos are favored by three. I'm going to take the points here with the Colts. 
just because I can't lay three points with the Broncos at any point yet. But also Jim Ursay is out here looming mm-hmm. and he's kind of, he's itching to do something here. And it kind of strikes me as whatever you got in the tank there, Mr. Frank, Wright, You got to pull that out now. So I'm on Indy plus three. What say you, Mr. Russell? Yeah, full disclosure, I hopped on this. Uh, There was a very brief, I shouldn't say very brief, but there was a brief point in time where this got up to three and a half when we thought, oh, you know, Jonathan Taylor's banged up. He might not be able to play. Looks like that, again, you never know, knock on wood at this point, (laughs) with the injuries and that sort of thing, especially on a short week. But this got up to three and a half. And so I was like, you know what? Same logic that you're basically putting in there, right? Like, again, what about the Broncos? has given us any indication that they're going to win a game by margin. They have yet to lead at halftime this season. And it's not because they've been playing some juggernaut juggernaut team, right? They played the Seahawks, played the Texans, right? And they scored 11 points in victory against the San Francisco 49ers, right? Now, obviously, a much better defense uh, than even the team that they played in Las Vegas last week. But that's 0 for 4 on having a halftime lead. Now, again, that, does that mean they're not going to have a halftime lead against the Colts? No, that obviously has nothing necessarily to do with it. But the point is, is like this isn't a team that's taking leads and just kind of holding teams off here. This yeah. is teams that are. This is a team that's struggling uh, early on offense. Right, they are starting slow. So I'm not, you know, again, maybe Thursday night, but again, we've seen them play at home on a Sunday night, right? Like we have seen these, this situation before and they were underdogs to San Francisco in that game. And now they're three and a half point favorites to the Colts, because as you said, like, yeah, Matt Ryan is mega washed. And one of the things that absolutely like couldn't have made less sense to me last week, it was, there's always one game. There's always one game on Saturday and one game on Sunday where the line is so confusing to me, it prevents me from making more money than I should on betting that game, right? And I cut Tennessee plus three and a half from my contest list. It was on the list all week long, but I'm watching this line go to four, go to four and a half on Mm -hmm. Sunday. And I'm just like, I have to be missing something here, right? And I think the idea was that Jonathan Taylor was going to run wild against the Titans because they had struggled and they were low. And this is why you can't just look at stats for the season because the season at this point, or at that point, had only been three games long. Like the Titans were like third worst against the run. Well, it's because Saquon Barkley ran for a billion yards against them in the first week. And the last two weeks, you know, against the Bills, even in a blowout, right, the run defense hadn't had that kind of, you know, destruction pulled on them. And the problem is that we hadn't had enough games dividing into that first game against Saquon Barkley to lower their yards per carry defense rating, right? And so people just look at that and they go, well, Jonathan Taylor's going to go ham. And like, you know what? Maybe there is a universe where Jonathan Taylor goes ham. But you know what? Jonathan Taylor went ham a lot last year, but not against the Titans. And so I'm sitting there going like, man, are people that sort of dumb? But again, I'm the dummy who like took them off my contest level. Obviously, uh, off my contest list. Obviously, like I still leveled up in a big way from a betting standpoint. So that was nice to see the Titans basically go wire to wire in that game. And I say all that to say is like, at least the market thought something of the Colts to move them from three and a half to four and a half, which, you know, and again, I couldn't understand why that just wasn't a flat three. So now the market is selling the Colts here in a pretty aggressive way, because I'm looking at this going like, even with the Colts being considered four, four and a half point favorites, you know, 4.3 um, sort of technical term there, but 4.3 mm-hmm. uh, point favorites against the Titans. Like this still only gets me to three this week against yeah. the Broncos. So I think three is the right line now that it is. 
All that is to say, like I grabbed the plus three and a half. It's not some great bet that I love, you know, so, so much. I don't even really want to mess with the Colts on the money line here. This just feels like, a, you know, honestly, it feels like a push. It feels like a Broncos by three type situation. But you're not going to get me to lay more than three and a half points <laughs> against at least an adequate team, which I think the Colts still are uh, in, in the NFL. And, you know, not with the Broncos. No, thank you. Yeah, chilling on the on the Colts here at the plus three. And if the Broncos can win by three, cool, more power to them. I'll tip my cap to Russell Wilson and say, let's ride or something. Sure. No, I, I won't do that. And it may tip be my a cap. close game. I'll tip my that... cap to Sierra. <laughs> that will do that any day, of, any day of the week. But it may be a close game true. and they still win by four or six yeah, or seven, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, again, it's, it's it, fundamentally, you're just trying to get the most value as you possibly can out of what mm -hmm. I think is going to be a close game. Yes, and hoping for another close game as we head out to London for the second straight week. We got the Giants at the Packers. I didn't know that the NFL was allowed to send actual superstars and like a good team to London, like yeah. the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I was like, whoa, I, di I didn't know that was allowed here. He's been ducking it for long enough. Yeah, <laughs> right. But Giants at Packers, Packers favored by eight points on a neutral field. Like that's incredible to me. But anyways, does anyone have any info on the ayahuasca levels in London, England? Like, are they messing with the same package over there than Aaron Rodgers would be getting over here? Asking for a friend. Yeah. Just, just curious. Um, but in all seriousness, well, I mean, I was kind of serious about that too, but <laughs> story for another day. Okay. Last time I checked, Daniel Jones was practicing. Mm -hmm. So we haven't heard anything about the Giants signing the random QB that, you know, you haven't heard their name in two years or whatever. So at the time that we're recording this, it seems as if Daniel Jones is going to play. I'm just looking at this and saying, I, I get it. I understand it. And neutral site, I got to take the Giants here, like plus eight points. That's where I'm sitting. Yeah, I understand that. Like the numbers come for me come out to just under seven as far as like from a market standpoint. Uh, my rating's a little bit higher than seven, but still, uh, you know, obviously under eight. My issue here is how does the Giants' rating in our mind's eye change if Daniel Jones doesn't run two touchdowns in against the Bears? Because if he doesn't do that. Do they beat the Bears and do they beat the Bears by margin? Like what it took for the Giants to win that game by a decent margin was the Bears basically unbelievably for the first half, not understanding how to defend a quarterback bootleg from a quarterback who is like known for basically his best skill is kind of being mobile, right? Yeah. Like it's certainly not throwing the football. And so they adjusted at halftime and the Giants kind of ran into uh, the defense a little bit when they tried to keep doing that, because why wouldn't you keep doing that? But the point is, is like, OK, well, if Daniel Jones had hurt his ankle early in the game and was unable to pull off those plays, what is the Giants offense really doing in that game? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned like he's practicing this week. Here's how I kind of see that one all right, you're going to London, like, you better get on the field here, at least to practice. Two, we know Tyrod Taylor, who came out there and immediately got hurt. Like, he's not available. Like you said, they're out here uh, looking to sign random uh, quarterbacks. He kind of has to, because they need somebody to throw a football to the other guys who are healthy to practice. So I don't think he's practicing, like, full speed, like, doing all kinds of, like, you know, sprinting drills or anything mm -hmm. like that. I think he's just out there practicing because he kind of has to be. So fundamentally, I go, okay, if Daniel Jones just isn't going to be 
ready to go at full strength, then I can't rate the Giants at the full strength that I think that they should be here. I got so you. At, so at plus, so now that it's at eight here, I think this is a prime teaser piece, if okay. you ask me. So i rather tease this down than use Green Bay minus eight because, again, of the uncertainty with the quarterbacks. I'm just not there as far as like looking to bet the Giants. I'm probably Packers or nothing because if we find out that some random quarterback, a Davis Webb or something along those lines, is going to get the start this week, then this line is going to go through the roof. So I kind of rather just buy the Packers now. But if I was going to bet the Giants, I would need to wait because I don't think this line, if Daniel Jones is like, he's the starter, he's good to go. I don't see this line going down to seven. No. So you got all the time in the world here if you're going to back the Giants. But if you find out on Saturday that like I'm the starting quarterback for the Giants, I'm here to tell you like you probably shouldn't bet on the Giants no matter how the line it, it changes from that point in time. Like I am not covering even like 21 points if I'm out there. And I'm not sure that whoever would be out there would be that much better than I would be. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's not a it's not a nice place for me to be at all trying to bet on the Giants and Daniel Jones hobbled in London. Definitely not a nice place that I like to be, but let's move on anyways to the Eagles at the cards. Too many points here. I'm looking at this and I'm I'm wondering where this line was. I don't really like it, but you know that I really dislike Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler, that whole thing that's going on there. But I can't lie. I'm just blindly riding with the Eagles at this point. They have playmakers at receiver. They can run it, but their defense is really, 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 really good. Am I just blindly, like I'm blindly rolling with the Eagles, but is there something that I should be translating this into in terms of like a futures market here with the Eagles? Okay, so uh, the first answer is no. Um, and the second answer is you know, fundamentally, when we go into a season, you can do this right now if you want. This is a little exercise for people out there, right? Because we're always trying to inform and sort of help people do their own thing, right? The old teach them how to fish type of deal. You can at any point rank rate teams from 1 to 32 as you see fit, right? Like, you tell me who you think the worst team in the in the league is, right? Like, we have an understanding. I think that the Bills are the best team in the league, but we don't think we know who the worst team is. And then it's a pretty good exercise to go through the top 32 teams. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I would take your top 16 and I go, okay, who are the eight teams that I want to back going forward? And who are eight teams that I think are probably a little overrated in, even though I understand that they're the top 16. And the same thing goes for the bottom 16, right? You take eight teams that you're like, you know what, this team's bad, but honestly, I don't mind betting on. We know the Texans for you are one of those teams. And like, there's probably some teams that are just absolute garbage that you know are going to even get worse. And so the other element is when you've got those top 16 teams before the season starts, you know, and whether it's top 16 or top 10, however you want to do it, right? What I did, you know, over at the score is basically you go through each team and you go, how do I want to bet this team for their success this season? If I think these eight teams, for example, are going to have success. Now, there are teams, for instance, like Tampa Bay, who their win total was like 11 and a half, something along those lines. I'm like, that's just way too high. You have to go underneath. That's what I mean by fading a really good team in that top 16. But of these top eight teams, like some teams I want to deal with in the playoffs, right? I think they're a playoff tested team. One, some teams I think are a regular season team that I don't necessarily want to deal with in the playoffs. And the Eagles were a team that I thought had really high potential, especially when you looked at their schedule. And so when you say, is there something you want to do with the futures? I'm actually already done 
And for those of you who read back in August, what I did was I took them at 14 to one along with the Chargers. Again, a couple of different bounces, you know, maybe a non-cartilage situation, maybe they're four and oh as well. But I took the Chargers and I took the Eagles at 14 to one to be the last team undefeated. Because I'm like, you know what? Dang. If this team is good, we're going to find out pretty quick here. And the, and the schedule isn't that tough for them. And did I think we were going to have this decided by basically Thursday night of week four? No. What a pleasant surprise. We didn't even have to get to the bye week, which actually was part of the handicap in that if you have a bye week, you can't lose and therefore can be undefeated for a bonus week. So I'm already done, right? I hit the 14 to one on the Eagles. So like we're looking at these odds and it's like, you know, nine to one for them to win the Super Bowl. Like everything's over adjusted. There just isn't anything left for me to do. Like they've essentially mm. won the Super Bowl for me mm-hmm. in four weeks. And now I can just go and bet somebody else to win the Super Bowl <laughs> and see if like they can do it. But I'm playing with house money because the other thing is, you know, we bet all these things at the start of the season, right? Like defensive player and comeback player and rookies of the year and all that sort of thing. You hit a 14 to one in the first four weeks of the season, you can lose 14 other bets now, right? Like you can take 14 other shots with that and still break even over the course of the season. So anyway, a little futures diatribe there. As for this game, you're looking at this and you're going, oh man, it's only five, right? Like how, how, like how could this possibly go wrong? Like this has to be some sort of a trap. Like we get into that whole like weird attitude. Reality is, based on how these teams have been rated throughout this season and basically where these point spreads have been, and I keep in mind, Arizona was in a pretty competitive game as a one, one and a half point underdog in Carolina. So, like, you're not going to go nuts upgrading them from last week. Same thing with the Eagles. Yeah, they. what was impressive is they spotted the Jags 14 points <laughs> and came back and covered. But in reality, they only covered by a point and a half. So you're not going to go nuts about changing their rating. The number comes out to 4.9 for me, which is basically five, you know, quick, quick mathematics right there. Right. And so like the market hasn't changed in the last week or so about these teams. And honestly, my ratings, and again, you know, I'm no fan of the Arizona Cardinals from a rating standpoint, Mm -hmm. and I've been bumping up the Eagles as fast as I possibly can here. I've got them up in the mid sixties. Again, didn't go nuts after last week. My number is four and a half. So honestly, like in a weird, sick way, like there's kind of some value on the cards. It's not even that weird, right? Like just fundamentally, there probably is going to be value on a team that nobody really likes anymore. And I didn't really want to get involved with the Cardinals until week seven when DeAndre Hopkins gets back here. So this isn't one where like I'm dying to bet the Cardinals by any stretch of the imagination. But like I kind of have this like, and you call it a gut feeling or whatever you want. But like I kind of have this instinct that like, Man, we're going to show up. Everybody on the, in the world is going to be on the Eagles. And, like, they might still win, but it's going to be by, like, a field goal. And mm-hmm. everybody's going to be like, well, the Eagles still undefeated. But, like, you know, Kyler was in his bag and, like, doing a bunch of stuff and all of that kind of, you know. And, honestly, the Cardinals' defense isn't terrible now that they're getting a little bit healthier. So, like, yeah, man, there's a lot to like about the Eagles. But don't think that this short minus five point spread is some sort of gift here because it's a fair price. Yeah, no, it's super strange to me, and it, it's not one that I'm I'm strongly on the Eagles, but I'm I'm still confident. I'm still okay with taking the Eagles at this point. Um, speaking of a game that I'm okay with taking here, <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Cooper Rush continues to do it. Now, can he do it in L.A. in Hollywood? Does he take on the Rams? Rams four and a half point favorites at home. 
And I'm looking at this game. It's very tough to not overreact, but what I'm going to try to break this down to and why I'm leaning on the Cowboys here, the Niners defense was really good last week versus the Rams. And I know all the talk and focus is on Cooper Rush and he's done a good job. And Jerry Jones is talking up, you know, he's trying to allude to this whole quarterback controversy as only Jerry Jones would do. Mm-hmm. But I think the Cowboys defense is pretty good too. And I think that at that point, that's what I'm really relying on here with this game firmly in the Vegas zone at four and a half. Give me all those points. I'll take all those points. And as, and Hey, this might be the week Cooper rush blows up. Cool. I understand that it has to come or you would assume it has to come at some point, but you know, based on what, you know, give me the Cowboys plus the points. Yeah. So, okay. You're gonna have to stay with me here a little bit. Right. But you know, it comes down in a lot of ways to the whole like Cooper rush, like Dak Prescott thing. Right. Because we go and remember when they were two and a half point home underdogs to Tampa Bay to start the season. Right. We watched that game and it was like, Oh man, the offense can't do anything. And then of course Dak gets hurt. And then we spent the rest of the last three weeks. And we talked about this before their game last week. And I didn't have a single dollar on that game other than like a, you know, small prop wager on Demarcus Lawrence getting a sack, which he didn't How Carson Wentz didn't get sacked seven times. I don't really know, but I digress. The point (laughs) is, is under these, you know, we've watched the Cowboys rating, like dive down when everybody just thought Cooper rush was terrible. And you and I sat back and we're like, well, like, who decided that he was terrible? Like, when have we ever seen in you know in a situation where he was terrible? And we've been like slowly moving them back up. And the reality is, it just seems like we should get them kind of back to where their rating was for that Tampa Bay game. But going into last week, their rating would have would have made them if we had jumped in the time machine. Their last week's rating, had they played Tampa Bay, would have made them six point underdogs, not mm-hmm. two and a half point underdogs to Tampa Bay, if you know what I'm saying, right? So they were still three and a half points off of where they were with Dak Prescott. So that means there's still a three and a half point little gap here that we can bring the Cowboys back to where they were at the start of the season. Now, the thing is at the start of the season, I was like, I got a ticket that says Cowboys know to make the playoffs. And I'm not loving that at all because I'm looking at this defense that I thought was going to take a step back because what they did last year was they created all these turnovers and and brought them back for touchdowns. It's like, that's not replicable. And it hasn't been replicable this season. But what they've replaced that with is just getting teams off the field, right? And making just good, solid plays. Like it hasn't been sort of a Trayvon Diggs, like all for naught type of deal. It's just been like really, really good defense. And the offense obviously hasn't missed a beat, and they're starting to get a little bit healthier, at least on the you know outside weaponry with Michael Gallup coming back, et cetera, et cetera. And so now I look at this and I go, okay, the rating here because of last week and them only being three-point favorites at home to Washington suggests that they should be six-point underdogs here to the Rams. Yeah. But I thought the Rams were overrated last week. Right. And one of the great victories was Monday night in San Francisco, because you mentioned like overreactions. Like I was having overreactions about my own sort of abilities on Sunday as I'm watching Tampa Bay get housed by Kansas City. And I'm like, can I be this far off? Because it doesn't take much for you to look at it and go like, what, you know, where did I go wrong? Because when things go well for so long, 
anything that sort of trips you up goes, okay, here comes the turn. It's like, no, no, no. San Francisco is better than the Rams, right? This is something I've been saying for, honestly, since before the Rams won the Super Bowl, right? And that's why the 49ers covered the spread in the NFC Championship game last year. And so the point is, is like, if they're, if they should be six point favorites, but I need to downgrade the Rams even further and I need to upgrade the Cowboys by something like two, what ends up being two or three points, then like we should probably get this thing down to around three. So I think this number should be about three because I think the Cowboys defense, particularly the defensive line, is going to give you know the Rams offensive line issues. Remember last week you and I talking about Trent Williams, like what are they going to do? And then we were talking about like you know what they don't, he doesn't get red carded, right? He doesn't, you know, they, they don't have to play ten on eleven. They put a guy out there. They ended up putting the third string guy out there, and you know what? The offense survived anyway. But with all of that, nobody bothered to mention that the Rams offensive line isn't any good. They can't run the ball. And they really only have one guy that you're ever worried about, and that's Cooper Cup. Well, guess what? Cowboys have some defenders for that, right? They have defenders for that offensive line. They have Trayvon Diggs, or they can put Trayvon Diggs on somebody else, and they can double Cooper Cup, right? They have the guys that can take an already pretty mediocre Rams offense and really neuter it a lot more. And so this, to me, is an outright upset possibility here for the Cowboys. You know, again, it's going to be in LA. I'm sorry, there's going to be a ton of Cowboys fans there, right? This is oh, like yeah. when the Raiders play uh in LA against the Chargers. This is that situation. There's no home field advantage here. So I'm already I'm still building in with my number a point of home field advantage. I already know that's wrong. So I can get down to four and a half really quick, and I can get down to three even quicker than that. So yeah, give me the Cowboys here. I think they go on the road, and I think they get this W. Ooh, that would be the. I mean, Cowboy Nation, Jerry Jones, they'd be going crazy if they're able to pull off this win. So just for the drama of it all, too, I'd be totally okay with that for sure. Speaking of drama, though, your man's Tom Brady at home. Eight and a half point favorites against the Falcons. This to me is a lot of points. I'm looking at this and at some point I'm thinking Tom Brady is incredible. My guy has been in the league since I was a teenager and I'm a old ass man at this point. <laughs> he doesn't get hurt. He retired. He came back. He doesn't need Wednesday practices, has some receivers one week. Then the next week he's dealing with Cole Beasley and now he's about to get divorced reportedly. Yeah, I'm just saying, if I'm losing Giselle, my focus might be off. But then again, I'm not Tom Brady, so I don't know what's in my guy's head, despite the fact that we do have the same birthday. Oh. Yeah, little nice. known fact. But nice. anyways, all of that to say, I can't lay eight and a half points right now with the Bucks at home. There's just too much going on. And I know it's Tom Brady and it shouldn't matter and he's locked in and all that fun stuff. But even just keeping it to football, Mm -hmm. I like the Falcons as being a spicy team. And, you know, this is a tough matchup for sure. I remember, and you'll be able to correct me on this. Sure. I feel like we spent, I spent a lot of time taking the Falcons against the Bucks <laughs> yeah. in years past. And then yeah. just sitting there getting so mad at Matt Ryan, not being yeah. able to convert touchdowns. Yeah. Well, not only that, but like those two, I, it, we can really just get specific and get to those two games last year, right? Where in both cases, they were essentially double digit underdogs, right? I think one was 13 and a half. The other one was like 10 or 11, uh, the home game. 
And they were good, man. They were good for three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, it was like a four-point game turns into an 11-point game, turns into an 18-point game <laughs> because Matt Ryan's forced to do stuff and all of that sort of thing. And listen, like, you know, they're, you know, victory lap, blah, 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 blah. We were on it from before the season started, right? Like, it didn't, it never made any sense that minusing Matt Ryan out of your lineup <laughs> and putting in a younger, more mobile quarterback Whoever that is, never mind a guy who is like a top five NFL draft uh, draftee, like that that would somehow mean that the Falcons would go from like, what did they have last year? Seven wins to like the three that people thought they were going to have. Like that never made any sense. And that's why we were on them for the first three weeks. Now, last week, they played a coin flip game against the Browns that was lined like a coin flip game that honestly came down to essentially one penalty on the Browns. Otherwise that game goes a lot, potentially could have gone a lot differently, but like, that's a game that you can't beat yourself up because you lose. It's like, yeah, you know what? That game was never outside of three points. Either way, the clock ran out on whoever lost. And it just happened to be the Browns last week. All that is to say, Corderell Patterson out for this game. It looks like he is the driver to what the Falcons do on offense, right? He is when he is, when he is on the field, the first thing is, okay, where is he going? How is he going to get the ball? Is this going to be a backfield situation? Is this going to be a pass out of the backfield? They can line him up for whatever. He's jumping over guys, all of that good stuff. They've also been playing again, like we talked about going into last week, bad defenses. Without Miles Garrett, without Jadavion Clowney, without a handful of guys in the back seven, the Browns, I'm here to tell you, are a pretty bad defense. <laughs> and yet the Falcons only got about 20 points essentially right i believe that game was 23 20 so they got 23 points now they're going up against a buccaneers team that was pretty embarrassed on sunday night and the script went about as bad as it could have possibly been because listen you know i knew we were toast right away the guy fumbles yeah. white fumbles the opening kickoff it's and never now a good you're sign. giving and now you're giving kansas city the ball to start both halves right like that's getting let's like getting to serve twice in a row in tennis I know you're a huge tennis fan. Um, so, like, you know you're screwed there. And, of course, that game, you know, after that point, that point, that game was a three-point game, obviously a ten-point game overall. But, like, if I'm – I still think the Bucks defense is really, really good. And now they're getting Atlanta coming in there, and they've probably been salivating going, like, okay, an Atlanta team without Corderell Patterson, like, that, that becomes a pretty plain team. That starts to look a lot like the Titans teams that Marcus Mariota was quarterback, right? <laughs> and like now the line is eight and a half because people like us have been talking about the Falcons and it's worked out and like, oh, look at the Falcons. Like how great is this? Mm. And now this line, remember last year, 13 and a half, 11 and a half. Now it's eight and a half. I'm sorry. I'm going to lay it with Tampa Bay here. I've already made the okay. bet at eight. Yeah, Tampa Bay minus eight is a play for me. The Buccaneers are healthy now on offense. Again, you saw your man's Cole Beasley retiring. I saw him catch one pass and he or, or like have one pass thrown to him. And he did that thing where you know wide receivers like need to retire tomorrow. I think Des Bryant was doing it at the end there where he was like, taking two steps and then stumbling because it was all just too fast for him. And like, yeah. these are world-class athletes that if they're a step slow, it's completely over. 
Well, it's completely over for him. It also indicates that they don't need him anymore, which means the Godwins and the Joneses are healthy now. And like, yeah, the expectations probably should have been tempered with their first game back in the lineup. Because as we like to say, right, these guys are human beings. This isn't a video game, right? A game under their belt probably helped them a great deal. I think this has blowout potential written all over it for the Bucks as they get, quote unquote, back on track here. And they get back uh, to a winning record, I believe. After oh the card's coming out it's a phone this time folks oh baby the budget's been up the budget's been upgraded <laughs> from my work pass to a phone or literally just what's beside me yes I like that I like where your head's at I like everything you just said about taking the bucks and the bounce back and one of those early season lessons I know there's a lot of times people will hear me say oh yes lessons to remember that get ingrained back in my brain but just the bounce back nature of the nfl yeah this is a great bounce back spot for the bucks bucks roll makes a lot of sense i get you thank you and five points of value on tampa relative to where we were last year with the falcons team that again without quarter patterson even with those quarterbacks flipping five points is a lot of points here so i think there's yeah. good value on tampa also good, also good teaser spot, teaser, minus eight and a half, down under three, minus two and a half, maybe with the Packers. Very interested about what you're going to say about this game here. Mm. Bills at home to the Steelers. Now, again, you'll see the pick already says, Sheldon says, Pittsburgh plus 14. Reason for that, as I discuss each and every week, the way that I look at these double-digit spreads is my initial lean is always going to be to take the points. And you almost got to talk me out of it. Sure. So please, please tell me why my lean is wrong. Is a, is a week's work for Kenny Pickett not enough to cover two touchdowns against the Bills? So I'm not going to try to talk you out of this. I am going to tell <laughs> you that like as much as we might think, man, 14 points is like that's inflated. It's, it's exactly <laughs> what the number should be. Like, it's like yeah. debt, not, you know, I come out here and I'm like 14.2, 13.8. No, 14.0. It's exactly what okay. the number should be. Now, my numbers have, um, again, the bills a little bit, you know, lower on my ratings, not by a ton. So, like, you could get away with 13 and a half. And I think that's where it was at one point this week. Now, again, the question is, like, what do you believe in Kenny Pickett? Because if we're building all of these ratings off of what the Bills have done, okay, that's fine. I think we have a decent handle on the Bills rating. Again, at most, they're a little overrated. But again, they haven't really done all that much to disprove, disprove any of that. What you have to decide is, is Kenny Pickett better right this second for the Pittsburgh Steelers than Mitch Trubisky? And like, that's, yeah, that's a shoulder shrugger, right? Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Uh, you could sort of go in blind like we kind of did against the Steelers last week with Zach Wilson, where we're like, yeah, I think Zach Wilson, because of his mobility, is going to be a bit of a different look than Joe Flacco. Well, Trubisky's the one who it was sort of the mobile one. Now Pickett can move around a little bit too. Obviously, some couple of rushing touchdowns there technically last week. But the Bills are this team that like they blow people out. Right. Like I remember the stat, I forget the exact stat there, but you would have seen it in Monday Night Football when they crushed the Titans. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, they win like a bunch of games by like 20 points. It's like, oh. And if you're like, oh, the Steelers, the vaunted Steelers, like they shouldn't like this is a line that the Jags and the Texans and the you know commanders should be get. Like, I'm sorry, right now, 
the Steelers are those teams. They yeah. are not a very good football team. And so like, that's where this line should be. It's totally fair. Again, I'm not looking to bet on any team to cover minus 14 in the <laughs> NFL, but I don't think it's necessarily wrong either. Yeah, I'm here. And as I just said, you know, my thing is talk me out of taking the Steelers because it's always going to be my initial pick to take the points. But in this instance, the Buffalo Bills, the biggest thing that you said is they blow teams out. That is just what they do when it yeah. comes down to a close game. That's where I will always take pause with the Buffalo Bills and be like, uh, OK, let me let me take a second. Think about this here um, again. Is it a comfortable place to be laying 14 points? Of course not. But Kenny Pickett, welcome to the NFL. <laughs> totally. That's fair. Let's keep things moving here with the Chargers and the Browns. Chargers are three-point favorites on the road in Cleveland. And Justin Herbert's injury, I'm not really sure exactly where we're at, but my guy's been playing okay. Has he been playing the, the elite, elite Justin Herbert, we've come to know the past few years. Probably not, but he's still been good enough to put points up on the board. Something that I don't really know about the Cleveland Browns. I'm so confused by them, and it's Jacoby Brissett, and he's limited and all that, but they're going to run the ball, and I get that. Am I wrong here to be laying the points on the road with an injured Justin Herbert in a tough spot in Cleveland? Okay, so let's first let's address the Justin Herbert injury thing. Um, so Connor Allen over at Four for Four had a good tweet about this yesterday. Uh, we and it, we I alluded to it the week before, right? Where Justin Herbert's on target throw percentage by week, right? So Ooh. how accurate he's actually been at throwing. So I'll give you the specifics here again, Connor Allen. Uh, week one, eighty-two point nine percent. Week two, seventy-five percent. Week three. 37.8%. That was the Jags mm -hmm. game after the rib injury. Mm -hmm. Last week, 79.5%. So it seems like it's just a one-week thing for Herbert, right? Which is why, again, if we had the sort of, you know, time machine or, or, or whatever you want to call it, we'd go back in time and be like, yeah, Herbert's going to be good in this next game. The Chargers should go back to maybe not all the way up to their top end rating because they have lost Slater. They have lost Bosa. But a healthy Justin Herbert is a difference maker, and this team has to be at least, you know, as we like to use our numbers here, a 60 out of 100. When they were only minus five at Houston, think about it this way, right? They were minus five, minus five and a half at Houston. Now they're minus three against Cleveland. Like, Cleveland is not only two and a half points uh, better than Houston, right? They are much better than Houston. So that's because now we got to bump the rating back up here okay. for Herbert okay. and the Chargers. The problem is here, man, again, like, you know, we talk about the coaching staff and everybody just points to Staley and like, you know, they get this 21 point lead and then they blow it. And it, all of a sudden it's a six point game and the Texans have the ball and like luckily, and because of course there was a special teams fumble and like, then luckily, or whatever, I guess it's talent, but whatever, the Chargers force a field goal and have a three-point lead, and they almost blow that cover. But they end up then going, you know what, let's just get this going again. They fire the ball down the field, and they score a touchdown, and they end up covering an all is well that ends well. But it isn't Staley, man. It's Joe Lombardi, their offensive coordinator. This dude sucks. He is the worst. Do you know how many carries and how many touches Sony Michelle got last week? Two, not two carries, too many carries and too many touches. Like a, a running back on his third team should not be trusted when you have 
honestly, literally anybody else at that point in time, right? And so every time this guy just shuts it down after watching Herbert sling the ball all over the field, dominate, now they're going to Cleveland here. This isn't in a dome. This is Cleveland. There's probably going to be some wind. There might even be some weather. Who knows, right? Problem is, it's not going to be the comfy confines of SoFi. It's not going to be the comfy confines of, I think it's still called NRG Stadium in Houston. Now we're going outdoors, and we're going to have to slug it out with the Browns. Now, if you go last year, check out the box score of the Browns' visit to L.A. The Browns are going up and down the field with Boxcar Baker out here, like, actually getting <laughs> stuff done, in part because the run game was running all over the Chargers. Now, as we've talked about in the past, the Chargers addressed the run defense this year. It has gotten better. They don't have to go for it on fourth down because they know that the other team is just going to run it down their throat up and down the field. That being said, we're talking about a road favorite against an actually pretty decent team. Now, I mentioned to you earlier, the Browns' defense is not good. And that's not necessarily changed. But the Texans' defense wasn't any good either. And that game got altogether a little too close. And so I'm not dying to do it either. But honestly, I think the Browns could win this game, right? Like, they can get it done. Like, they can do just enough to win this game. Because the Chargers are going to do what the Chargers always do. They're going to trip <laughs> over themselves, right? They're going to allow the Browns back into a game here. That honestly, if the Browns hadn't lost that game to the Jets and had recovered an onside kick and done all the things that they did to blow that game, or in this case, not done all of those things, this is a team that we're looking at going like, oh, it's actually a pretty good little record here, right? Maybe a bat ball goes uh, bounces another way against the Falcons. It's a team that could very well be 4-0 right? Because their losses to the Falcons and the Jets were obviously quite tight. They won comfortably in the end against Pittsburgh. And of course, they won in Carolina. They could be 4-0 right now. Imagine a, Jaco a world in which Jacoby Brissett was 4-0. Obviously, the universe stepped in and didn't allow that to happen. But this is still is a team that is capable. Hopefully, maybe they get some of their guys back for this week that were questionable last week. And yeah, I think you got to just take the three points here because I don't think the Chargers can be trusted because I don't think their offensive coordinator is going for the throats of anybody anytime soon. Yeah, and as I said, reluctantly on the Chargers, meaning easily convinced into switching said pick to the Cleveland Browns. Home dogs, just an ugly slugfest. We'll be back on red zone watching Jacoby Brissett driving with a chance to win this game somehow, some way. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that for sure and ride with the Browns in this game. Next up, though, you know, I love me some Detroit Lions. <laughs> Such a weird thing to say, but <laughs> it only means in picking point spreads, right? Hearing me say I like the Detroit Lions and the, the, the Texans, right? <laughs> it's so funny how messed up gambling has like screwed up our and, minds. Well, <laughs> and it's not just you, like the stuff that the Lions have gotten away with this year to like yeah. still trick us into thinking that they're like somehow good. Like we just cashed <laughs> a Seahawks money, a Seahawks it's true, it's on true. the road money it's line true. because Geno Smith. And if you watch that game and you had the, Seah uh, the Seahawks money line, you were like pretty comfortable. Even when Detroit was coming back because you're like, yeah, don't worry. Geno got this. Like imagine <laughs> living that life. Speaking of Jacoby Brissett, right? Like Geno Smith as like, a don't worry. Geno's got this under control. Like we're going to win this game. We're going to win this game comfortably. But like, look at what the lions are getting away with here. Why? Because they beat the commanders, <laughs> in, you know, in a first half. 
Yeah. Because, like, they almost blew that game to the commanders in the second half. Yeah. Other than that, like, what have the Lions done? So, like, and now they're going to be three points at Bill Belichick? Like, Jared Goff? (laughs) (laughs) like bill belichick won a super bowl because he knew jared goff was honestly like i hate to say it too dumb to be able to read a coverage before the the little microphone or the speaker in his ear shuts off with whatever it is 15 seconds left in the play clock right he just disguised his coverage up until 15 seconds left and then sean McVay was helpless and the rams literally couldn't score in that super bowl after being like a pretty offensive team all season long Bill Belichick and Jared gets Jared Goff again. Like, this is great news for for Bill Belichick. He's going to have the time of his life out there. This is a guy who just, like, messed hard with Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. And it's only three points. That deep sigh was exactly that. That that's exactly what. That. Like, what are we doing? And you're gonna say, oh, well, like Mac Jones is out or whatever, and like Brian Hoyer's probably not gonna play. Like, I'll roll with Bailey Zappi. Let's like, go. I love my guy Bailey Zappi, Western Kentucky. Like that that was our dude last year. He man. put up like, numbers, right? Yeah, of course he did. That's how he got drafted. Nobody knew who Bailey Zappi was a year and a half ago. Like, yeah, he's fine. And honestly, if he gets announced in, and this line like drops towards Detroit what a time to be alive like all right like i'll take it so be a little patient with this one maybe grab a little minus three now and save some of your money back for hitting the patriots if this thing dips under three because mac jones can't go because again mac jones got a high ankle sprain man i can't believe he'd be playing already yeah they showed they showed him like he was taking snaps at practice but like that doesn't mean anything right like of course he's got to be taking snaps and you're and this goes back to again not only and for the people listening to the pod, I've switched the pick to the New England Patriots minus three. Um, but this goes back to, okay, well, who are they going to start? Does it really matter when if you watch the game last week at the end, Belichick wasn't going to let Zappy like throw the game away, right? Like even one might even say that they weren't aggressive enough. I was just going to say that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I was, Which, say, like, I was a little disappointed in that. No, no, I I understand. And this is what I'm saying, though. Like, I understand that, right? Like, you're there. You have a chance to win the game. Let my guy at least try to win the game. I get that. But I'm using that narrative into this week. Like, he's not going to let dude throw the game away. So whoever is starting, whether it is your man Axel Hoyer or (laughs) Bailey Zappi, right? Like, yeah. I feel yeah, like I've I've done my guy Belichick wrong. I've disrespected my guy Belichick too many times already. Five yeah. weeks into the season, that I got to give him some respect here, and you know, yeah. I'm and sorry, I don't think Lions. we're going to see DeAndre Swift. By the way, right, the Lions have a bye next week. Mm-hmm. It's not tried and true by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like a rule. But I'm kind of that guy. We've talked about this before, right? You have a ho- you have a week o- a holiday coming up. How hard are you working on Friday? right you're just trying to get through friday so i think you know you go on the road to the patriots here right like jared goff man he's probably got a week in la coming up here right back at home all the other guys deandre swift i don't think is going to play because i think they want to give him one more week on top of the bye week so that he comes back with the shoulder injury healthy they need him listen jamal williams did fine last week but they are a different team uh an even more dangerous offense with him involved um we'll see what the rest of the uh, injury outlook looks like for the Lions. But the 60 minutes before overtime, before the end of the game, is going to be a lot easier for the Patriots than it was last week against the Packers. I feel like I've switched my picks a bunch in a row 
lately. Do I have that correctly? I'm pretty sure. So we've got to go back and rewatch the tape here. Yeah, we'll get, but, we'll you get know. research on that. <laughs> we'll get our, our crack research. research <laughs> uh, the, information. Yes, the On Blast Research Department on that for sure. Um, where are we here? Saints and Seahawks. I mean, in this game, I got no idea what I'm doing here. To be As I said, I keep changing my pick. And now, wait, what game are we on here? The game that I literally had no idea what I was doing here. Super tough one. Saints at home. I love their defense. Cool. But five points. Like, am I really going to take the Saints to be favored by five points against anyone? I can't do that. So my lean has to be on Seattle. No. This is one where, like, I got to know who's involved, right? I didn't really care that much last week about who was involved because, especially when from a quarterback standpoint, the difference between Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston, <laughs> especially broken back Jameis Winston. Yeah. I'm sorry. There just isn't one, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to need Kamara. I'm going to need, you know, Michael Thomas. And if they do, I mean, the Seahawks defense is so bad. I mean, it's so, like... It's just so, so bad. Okay. That being said, like, I get it, man. Like, Seattle looks like, you know, they can move the ball. They are underdogs. That's the type of situation that we want. You know, I talked about this last week. We don't do a lot of, like, oh, bet percentages and, like, the, you know, reverse line movement and all of the stuff that, like, people sort of feed you. But every once in a while, there is something kind of telling. Like, do people like the Seahawks team? The answer is yes. I'm seeing 65% of the betting tickets out there on Seattle. I'm seeing like, we talked about the like super square book that I have an account just to look at their percentages because like, it's hilarious how often the people who are betting on these teams are wrong. Yeah. We're talking like 80% of people on the underdog Seattle Seahawks. This defense for the Saints is so much better than what the Seahawks have excelled against. Think about it. We talked about this last week. Why did we like the Seahawks? What was one of the reasons? Because they had just played a bad defense in the Falcons, and we saw that they can move the ball against a bad defense. Okay, you go and you play the Detroit Lions? Bad defense. That's why Bailey Zappi is probably going to light them up. But now they go to New Orleans against a really good Saints defense, and like it's going to look as good this week? I don't think so, man. And like, one we're getting under a touchdown still here with a pretty good team that like had a pretty rough loss. It's just, I'm, I would really like to see Kamara and Thomas in so that I can make the play here on the saints. I think the saints are probably the right side in this game. Do you know what's and really I know I'm throwing a lot of favorites into the mix. Like, I don't know what we're going to do for the round Robin underdog money line parlay with all these sort of favorites that I think are getting a little bit undervalued this week. You know, it's, you know, it's really weird for me too with this game. I literally went back and forth so many times and I'm switching the pick again to the Saints, which I had the Saints to start. And yeah. the reason, here, here's the thing, right? The Saints defense, like that's a thing that had me on that side to begin with. The thing that makes it difficult with the Seahawks is just, I don't know really what to make of what's happening there at all. Like how yeah. long is this good vibes Gino thing going to keep rolling? And you know, this going into new Orleans is a whole different beast. Yeah. And that's a whole different weight class. No matter who is in the lineup for the saints, right? Like they play well at home, but the thing that throws me off a lot is this line. Yeah. Right. Because it's like five is such a weird number. If you, if you were talking like as weird as this sounds, I'd be more likely to take the Seahawks if it was like three and a half. Do you know what I mean? Because like just right. the perception of the line, I'm like, wait a second, this is weird. Like what's happening here? 
that's what's throwing me off here with this game. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it opened four and a half and got bet up to five, five and a half, which is like either an indication that like just the Saints are probably the right side or B, that there's a pretty good um, assumption Mm. of health for Kamara and Thomas. And again, like if those guys are out there running around, like the Seahawks are in big trouble defensively. Mm. And now you're looking at Geno to do well on offense against a good defense on the road instead of a bad defense yeah. on the road. And yeah. like, you might be bummed out by how many points the saints gave up last week, but like, look at it this way. They were a screen pass on third and goal from like the 14 away from that, just being a field goal, Andy Dalton. And again, this is a coaching issue because they didn't just run the ball, but Andy Dalton fumbling at the end of a half. Yeah. And then they had the punt returner just out there jangling the ball around fumbling the ball late like there's what 10 points right there on on you know essentially three plays that like most of the time aren't going to happen Mm -hmm. and then another touchdown on justin jefferson like being a baller and like justin jefferson's awesome and like yeah dk metcalf i suppose could do that this week but like he's not in the bathroom at certain certain (laughs) point at certain point you just sort of tip your cap and go you know what justin jefferson's really good and those 10 points like really were pretty needless and so like you know, I still think the Saints defense played pretty well last week. And of course, we've seen them play well in previous games against, you know, the Buccaneers, for example, and Tom Brady. Yeah, um, super interesting stuff there for sure. And I that's a red zone special. Like I could just see that in the witching hour, just being in the balance one way or the other. I don't know what is going on there, but it will be fun to watch. Anytime you got Andy Dalton, Geno Smith, let's go. Yeah, what a time to be alive. <laughs> The Dolphins, three-point favorites at the Jets. I don't know what to make of Zach Wilson's gritty. Um, The fact that he has the Jets looking a little bit spicy. I mean, I I need to see it a little bit more. I know that I probably should be taking the Jets at home, and maybe this is just following with the theme here of being convinced again (laughs) to switch said pick. But I need to see a little bit more from what the Jets actually are with Zach Wilson and I know I'm saying that without knowing. I mean, the assumption is Teddy Bridgewater is starting in right. Miami, but you know, I got faith in Teddy Two Gloves, man. I'm I'm never mad at Teddy Two Gloves. I always trust Teddy Two Gloves. So that's not that much of an issue for me, really. Yeah. So I'm gonna take the Jets as a or sorry, I'm gonna take the Dolphins. And I just think the Dolphins, like I like the Dolphins as a team with or without Tua. Sure. It should be mentioned Miami minus three is about minus 120 right now. You can get plus money on minus three and a half. So it is sort of in between three Mm. and three and a half. I say that because it matters to me. I'm not going to be a ton of help for you here because what do we do, right? When something, you know, again, prayers up to Tua, looks like he's going to be fine. I don't know. You know, that's all relatively speaking. Obviously, I've never had that kind of trauma Uh, to my brain, even though some people might think that I have based on some of my picks sometimes. Um, I hate to say it, but like, what do we do when something like that happens? What do we do when Dak left with his, with his hand injury, right? Yeah. There's no immediately go and try to find a book that still has next week's lines up. I grabbed a ton of jets plus six when that happened as much (laughs) as I could get my hands on. Not because I even really like the jets. But I know that two is after watching that is not playing the next week. And I know the line has to come down. Sure enough, it's down to, like we said, sort of 3.25. I would love to get Miami minus three at even money. But honestly, that's 
probably not going to happen. So I'm probably looking at a minus three and a half at even money. And that's honestly just to try to cash a middle between the Dolphins and the Jets. If this game lands six, if this game somehow lands four, or even somehow even crazier lands five, then I'm loving life. Because yeah. I don't have a take other than that. Like I would lean to the Dolphins minus three or minus three and a half. Like I will probably come over the top of all mm -hmm. the money that I have on the Jets plus six so that I will leave myself in a position that if the Dolphins win by 25 points, I win at least a little bit rather than not going all the way up and sort yeah. of only sort of semi-hedging because I think the Jets are the right side, even though plus six is really good value. But I'm not quite there with the Jets team just yet, even though shout out to them for winning on the money line last week, right? I think this Dolphins team is still pretty good. So again, not going to be a ton of help for you. It's a small lean to the Dolphins. And if nothing else, I'm sort of not talking you out of changing your pick here with Miami minus three. Um, you know, minus three at minus 120 is fine. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, you also know that I definitely love the Houston Texans. Texans at the Jags. Jags are seven-point favorites, and I need your help here because there's some things colliding here. Okay. The Jags, I feel like, are <laughs> one of those crappy good teams that I like when they're in spicy situations to bet on, but so are the Texans. Okay. And the Texans are seven point dogs. Like, doesn't that seem, that seems like a lot of points to me. No. Okay. Well, let's do it, man. Like we're week five in, it's time for you to like jump in the pool here. I'm going to ask you out of a hundred, what's your rating right now for this Jaguars team? Oh, they're not, I'd give them like a 40. Right. Okay. Good. Good answer. Good answer. Because we talked last week how they got bumped into the high 40s for that game against Philadelphia. And we sort of mm -hmm. asked them, hey, if you're going to be a high 40s team, then you have to at least compete and like cover this game. Now, they kind of did, right? And they get the touchdown or the, the pick six early, but then, you know, you blow the 14 point and now you're down two touchdowns or at least two scores. And you come back and but like Trevor Lawrence is turning the ball over, which gives you a little like last year vibes to Trevor Lawrence and all that sort of thing. So if we kick them back down to 40 or at least the early 40s, I mean, or even if we just keep them right now at 49, which is, again, where we had them or where we needed to put them for that line to make sense last week. The line this week, then, should be Jacksonville minus five and a half. That's with them in the high 40s. And that's, again, we're not doing anything wild here with the Texans. We still got yep. the Texans in the low 30s, you know, yep. at a robust 33 out of 100. <laughs> like, we're going nuts with that. Well, if we start ticking the Jaguars down, because I'm looking at that, and I'm going like, okay, 49 was not correct. What about 43? I have the Jags right now kind of right where the Lions are, where it is that friskiness, right? And it's a little mm -hmm. more than frisky. It's like we're not just covering, a you know, a big number. We're actually capable of an upset. Yeah. But the tables are turned now. The Jaguars are the upset T, right, in all of this. And the Texans are still the upset tour in all of this. <laughs> and so if we knock the Jags down to 43, beep, boop, beep, we got a little calculation here. I just got this at like Jags minus five, minus yeah, four and a half. Like obviously a lot lower than having them at 49. So it's like, Okay, I guess we're getting into the pool here with the Texans. Like, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> That's what we're doing. Now, the good news is, this is sort of like a mini version of Detroit, where it's like, what did the Jags do to deserve all this? Now, the Jags went on the road, 
to play a Chargers team. But you and I talked about this, right? They got the Colts at the exact right time. They got the Chargers at the exact right time. We just talked about the stats for Herbert, right? Yeah. If they got a 75% accurate Herbert, 80% accuracy Herbert, that game's going to go a lot differently than them getting a 35% accuracy Herbert. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, you know, in the Jags' home, home field advantage, like, it's early October. We're not talking about, like, a crazy amount of heat at this point. It's not the first week of September or second week of September. This number's going up, man. We're going to get seven and a half. Like, you can get seven and a half for, like, minus 115, even minus 114 right now. Let's do it. Right? Like, this. Like the, I'm sorry the Jags aren't quite there yet where we're just treating them as, like, two-score winners at this point against anybody in the league. Like, yes, they've done it before. But, again, those circumstances were really pretty comfy. And, you know, the Texans, man, like, they don't give up. You give them credit. They could have gotten blown the bleep out against the Chargers last week. You look up, and that game was 27-21, and they've got the ball at the, like, 30-yard line. It's a scrappy group, man. Like, I still haven't given up. So we're going to wait. We're going to grab this at 7.5, even if we have to pay an extra 5 cents to minus 115. But, honestly, I think we might get a flat 7.5 at some point here somewhere. Texans, Texans, Texans. You know, I'm always there riding with that for sure. I'm also always riding with my Niners. Niners, six and a half point favorites at the Panthers. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, we we know my uh, feelings about my guy Jimmy and watching him last week throw pick sixes and be saved by Debo Samuel. Because, I mean, <laughs> that one pass, if... If the one Rams guy didn't get it, the second Rams guy might have gotten it. If Debo just right. wasn't an absolute beast to then take that house. But hey, maybe I'm too hard on Jimmy. Yeah, it was almost Either a way. throw where he didn't want to get pick sixth. And it was like a total bonus if Debo yeah. somehow caught the ball. Yeah. Right? There. Which like, there. I will okay. Give you that. Yeah, no, no, no. I will give you that. That works will, for me. I will admit. My bias towards Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm too hard on him, but I will say this Niners minus six and a half. Like what, what makes me think about taking the Panthers? There's just nothing that you will be able to convince me that the Panthers offense will be able to do something against the Niners defense. Now, Hey, we've seen the Niners offense might not always be clicking on all cylinders, but I feel like this might be one where the Niners defense can cover the touchdown. <laughs> okay. Couple of things. Uh -oh. First uh -oh. and foremost, I want you to I want you to come uh -oh. in close here. I got a Jeez. secret. I got a secret oh, for you guys. Geez. Here we go. Come on in. Come on in. Come on. A little closer. The Panthers are awful. Awful. Unspeakably bad. I don't know where you just went. <laughs> I go somewhere? Disappeared. It's so good. Yes, I love it. I love it. The secret. The Panthers are awful. Worst team in the league. They are so incredibly bad. Baker Mayfield is so incredibly bad. They have checked out. You saw the clip before the game with DJ Moore last week. Like, mm -hmm. that guy's not feeling it anymore. I hate to say this. Like, Christian McCaffrey is... He's honestly quite literally a shadow of his former self and that he looks like himself. He gets the ball. He's like, starts to get going a little bit. But it's just... It isn't quite 
there. It's not the same. It's not the same. And the defense is honestly pretty good. Like I've been a big Brian Burns guy for a really long time, but like there's only so much that they can do out there, especially against teams that do something. And what I mean by that is like Kyler Murray for all of their foibles, he's at least doing something different out there, yeah. right? The Atlanta Falcons when Cordell Patterson's out there, they're at least doing something different with him and Mariota and whatnot. The 49ers constantly doing something different. Like this isn't a bland i'll call the rams the team that isn't doing anything different they're just like yeah we got stafford we got cup and we're gonna hope for the best like our talent hopefully sort of you know supersedes anything but like they don't really have that much talent at this point rams just catching random strays here but the point is if if i thought that the panthers could take advantage of the 49ers coming off a short week going across country like all of those sort of narrative things that you want to talk about like if i thought that was something that they could do I would love the Panthers as home underdogs here. Here's the other problem. And I feel like I should get like a 49ers jersey or something. And like, maybe you've sort of noticed this over the two and a half years that we've been doing this. Like, I'm really good at betting 49ers games. And I don't mean like on the 49ers, but yeah, like just the on matchups, them, yeah. against them. Like, I'm incredible at it. Like, I should be on the team. You'd think I was on the team at this point. Where I have gone wrong in the past is thinking that after this Rams game where they are always, you know, either a home underdog or like a pick me type game, and it's the biggest game of their season and blah, blah, they, and they put up a, a graph and I'll give them credit because I you know, never give them credit, but ESPN put up a graph and they noticed that the 49ers always lose in an honestly really kind of dumpy performances the week before they play the Rams, especially uh-huh. at home. And they put that graphic up in the pregame show. I was like, oh, look at these guys getting doing some actual like work. And you and so you, I thought to myself, like, man, I feel like they're actually better than I think after the game. And sure enough, I went and I looked back. And every time over the last few years, 49ers go on the road to some random outpost, like the Jets or mm-hmm. like wherever, and they win and win comfortably. So, like, they don't do the letdown thing after the Rams. They just kind of ride it for a week, even when they haven't been, like, that, that good. Now, we're talking about a a six-and-a-half-point spread. Like, that's a bit much. But, again, like, Nick Bosa hates Baker Mayfield. I think that might be an element here where he is going to absolutely, like, do whatever he can. By the way, shout out to our Nick Bosa from Defensive Player of the Year tickets. He's right behind Micah Parsons now on the odds board. I don't want to say anything negative about Micah Parsons, but you know, we got higher odds on Nick Bosa than we do on, on our Micah Parsons tickets out there. So yeah, like I, this is a spot where I'd love to grab the the Panthers. This is probably just a stay away from me at this point. Yeah. If it goes to seven, like I'm, Oh God, I don't really want to, but like maybe that's the situation, but it's really the historical nature of these of the 49ers after the Rams games that might save me from losing money on the Panthers this week. My my only question would be does anyone like Baker Mayfield? It's okay. That's probably a whole other podcast. No, probably yeah. a whole other podcast. But Baker Baker <laughs> did the thing with the flag at oh, Ohio yeah. State yeah. when oh, uh, Nick know. Bosa was on that team and I he has you. not forgotten it. So I got you. I got you. Bears at Vikings. Vikings at home 7 point favorites. And I am just over sitting here trying to talk myself into the Bears backdoor covering with that offense that is just so trash. Yeah. And I don't know what's going on, but 
you know, they're, they're on pace to set the record for most, is it completions made for uh Mr. Or least, or least, com completions, least yeah. complete, the complete opposite actually, yeah, that's right. Or the least completions time. made for Justin Fields. Um, it's just brutal. The, the bears offense. Meanwhile, Vikings, we've talked about it all the time on this pod. They play a lot better at home than they do anywhere else. And yeah, this just has Vikings roll all over it. I'm going to sit on the Vikings minus seven. And if they only cover by seven, cool. I mean, it's supposed to, right? Like it's supposed <laughs> to have Vikings roll. Yeah. But it's always supposed to have Vikings roll. I know. Roll. I know. Right? I know. And like, again, last week, Andy Dalton, Latavius mm -hmm. Murray, yep. you know, a rookie receiver, as much as I think Chris Olave is sick, like mm -hmm. no, I that should you. have been Vikings roll. And so like the line goes up to four, four and a half. And I'm, mm -hmm. you know, the people are piling in at minus two and a half. And yes, they ended up winning on minus two and a half. But like, I would make that play again, getting 10 to one on contest odds. Like I would, sure. I would fade the Vikings in that situation again. And like, Against the Lions, it was what minus five and a half, minus six, and they're mm -hmm. down fourteen to nothing early against yep. the Lions. And again, Lions will be like, okay, they got a better offense going, yada yada yada. My issue fundamentally here is like, isn't this kind of the best spot for the Bears' offense to be pretty decent? Okay in this game like indoors right like think about it obviously first game right it's like oh man like they gotta do the whole like absolute disaster weather situation in soldier field then the next week they go to green bay who's obviously got a really good defense but like they were successful in running the football mm -hmm. against green bay and then of course like the next week it's home against houston well they scored some points they you know they won the game like yeah that was pretty good but again home like soldier field isn't like really the greatest place to play offense just kind of by design for that team and then last week they're back in the rain against the giants and again i don't know what the hell was going on with the bootlegs and not playing able to like stop daniel jones on naked bootlegs it's like, yeah he's doing it again guys somebody <laughs> stay back and like, what are you possibly afraid of? Like, I mean, I guess the answer to that was Saquon Barkley. But for the Vikings here, again, like it's it kind of feels a little, you know, it's it was supposed to feel Ramsey because they got the Rams offensive coordinator, and that was supposed mm -hmm. to be a good thing. Starting to feel a little Ramsey, but like uh they kind of only have one guy in mm -hmm. Justin Jefferson, in the mm -hmm. same way the Rams have Cooper Cup. Because, like, you know, you look around and, like, Thielen's hobbling around. The other guys are just kind of dudes. Delvin Cook couldn't get anything going. Which, again, like, that only sort of augments maybe the handicap on the Saints because of how good their run defense was. And, like, the Bears' run defense not particularly good. Maybe Dalvin Cook gets it going. But we thought he might do that against Detroit. Yeah. And he didn't, right? Like, eventually it has to be on the offense to be able to take advantage of maybe the, you know, deficiencies of the defense mm -hmm. so i just look at this and i kind of go like yeah the number my number say eight so okay. like that feels like a bet on minnesota but again like they haven't really changed their stripes yeah. from the zimmer days 
And the Zimmer days, you did not want to lay points in a significant way with the Vikings. And all of a sudden, somebody's going to have to kick a 50-yard field goal to win a game or to avoid losing a game or what, you know, or avoid going to overtime against some dumpy Lions or Jaguars or Bears team. So I just look at this and I go, like, how many times am I going to bang my head up against the wall going, like, my numbers say eight and it's seven or my numbers say seven and it's six? It's like, yeah, maybe we're just getting goaded into being idiots and betting on the viking every week yeah no and sometimes that's going to work out for people because obviously sometimes they cover but like i much rather like the vikings in these short underdog roles right it's like oh, i don't really you know i'm not really sold on because they didn't blow the bears out because they didn't blow the lions out so like how could they beat the packers if you can't blow the lions out? well those are two different asks right those are two different things and so like i kind of feel like this is like the Bears plus seven. You might even see seven and a half. Again, we talk all the time. Like if my number says seven and a half or eight, a lot of the time after we record, when li limits go up, a lot of times we see that number go up. So we might get plus seven and a half here with the Bears. And so I just look at this and I'm like, just give me the, you know, who, when they play somebody who's like of their ilk, if you will, like I think they go into, they're going to Miami next week. Yeah. Right. Okay, like I'll get in on some Vikings there. They're probably gonna get some, get a couple here. I haven't run numbers on it. I probably should have to be yeah. rock and roll with you here. But like, that's where I want to play the Vikings in a pick them or sort of short spread type game. I don't want to lay points with this team, man. I think we're, you know, again, they might cover this week, but if just like for the next long while we just avoid laying points here with the Vikings, I think we're gonna be better off just, you know, <laughs> thinking they're going to fail. No, I got you. I definitely got you for sure here. Um, one team, I mean, hey, I guess two teams here. Very confusing, but very strange. At the same time, we got the Titans, two and a half point favorites at the Commanders. Um, are we comfortable enough to lay points with the Titans on the road? I mean, I don't want to be. No. I really don't want to be, but. I don't know what to do with the commanders, man. I got nothing. Their ugly ass uniforms did not help either. I hope uh, your guy, Brian Robbins plays the guy who got shot just before the season. I think we get a little gumption from that okay. potentially for Ooh, the commanders. Okay. I also think he's a good player, or at least it seemed like he was going to be a good player. It looks like he might've been the starting running back for this team. Um, not that that has anything necessarily to do with the handicap. The handicap is more about the Titans, right? We had the backs against the wall in at home against the Raiders. Well, okay. That one in three Raiders team that like, I guess beat the, the Broncos last week. And then they go and like, okay, they get a win against the Colts. What can, well, like, what are we getting excited about the Colts for? Now there's nothing to get excited about with regards to the commanders. I heard some garbage about how like they've quit on the coach already and blah, blah, blah. That just doesn't really happen in the NFL. I would save maybe that the exception being Carolina and Matt rule, because like, I don't know that that guy really commands the speaking of commanding commands respect hey. in the locker room, the way that a veteran guy who's been to a Super Bowl and Ron Rivera does. Again, the problem is we're now betting on your man's Carson Wentz, your favorite. But this line kind of feel like it's a little too high. Like I've got minus a half for Washington in my market ratings. Again, that's Ooh. not my even personal ratings. That's the way these two these teams have been treated. And my personal ratings, and this is how little I like the commanders, come out to like two and a half. So, okay, maybe that's correct. 
I just think this is the type of spot, like, I mean, the commanders might go one in 16 or two in 15. And I think that will be decided in a weird way this week. Like if they can get it up for the Titans, which I, which is a team that's very beatable, that the commander's defensive line can handle what the Titans and Derrick Henry are going to try to do. And if that's the case, then obviously the sort of demand for the Washington offense goes down. The bar gets a little bit lower. Yeah. I think we get kind of that easier offense for Washington. It wasn't going to be easy last week against the Cowboys on the road. Obviously it wasn't. And what was the previous game in week three? Uh, oh, Philadelphia, the previous week. Like since when was that easy, right? So yeah. you're getting Dallas and Philly these last two weeks. So like this is going to get a lot easier for Washington. So this is, I mean, I probably said it before, this is the last chance for your guy, Carson Wentz, with me. I promise. <laughs> probably. I just vowed that, like, I'm not doing the Carson Wentz thing this year. And that doesn't mean that I have to bet against them every single yeah. week. Yeah. I can't do that, obviously. <laughs> but, I mean, yes, I could. But it's just the Carson Wentz experience. I've, I've played that game too many times that sure. I'd rather just lose because he surprises me and has a good game. Um, let's keep it going here. Sunday night football. We got the Bengals at the Ravens. Ravens at home favored by three points and i feel like i like the ravens more than a lot of people i don't know mm. i think they were right like not much deterred me from what i saw against them against the bills because i thought they gave the bills a good fight and you know i thought they could have won that game very easily yeah but either way you're coming off a very 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 tough game Meanwhile, the Bengals have had a little bit of extra rest. They're at home. I mean, they were at home chilling mm -hmm. before coming out for this game, sure. having played last Thursday against the Dolphins. I just feel like it's a spot where I can take the points with the Bengals. And, you know, I don't really like it, though. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really like it. I. It's funny. I don't like this game at all <laughs> yeah. yet i could see myself by saturday being way in on either team <laughs> do you know what i mean like this is okay so the case for the ravens the ravens that i that i quote unquote like right like they appear to be awesome in the first half mm -hmm. i rather a team that's awesome in the first half than a team that's not awesome in the first half correct problem being they can't hold a lead to save their lives mm -hmm. um they've trailed for a total of 14 seconds all year long Insane. that feels like a team that should be better than two and two they have lost both their home games i believe they're zero and two at home correct like they beat uh forget one of their one of their road uh, games right but they beat the jets uh, oh yeah and then they beat new england so they're 2 and 0 on the road they're 0 and 2 at home they're getting this sunday night game we always see the ravens play well on sunday night a lot of times it's like kansas city or new england or buffalo or whatever where they're like almost honestly a home underdog yeah. i honestly i think the baltimore ravens win that game and win it relatively comfortably if that's a sunday night game last week i know that's sort of a <laughs> weird thing to say but like i don't think they blow a 17 point lead if that's a night game because i think the crowd gets kind of out of control you know if it's less it's also not wet and rainy and damp because like if you've ever been to a football game when it's raining the last thing you're looking to do is like cheer it just kind of tamps everything down 
And this is a really big game. This is a Bengals team that trucked the Ravens both times last year. Now, we've already been over what the issue was with the Ravens last year. Health. Mm -hmm. So all of that points to the Ravens. But then I go, you know what? The Bengals did truck the Ravens twice last year. We could get a money line type situation here on the Bengals. This line was three and a half going into last week. Nothing really should have changed all that much, except they reopened it at three. My problem with the Bengals is, and it's the reason I'm probably going to end up landing on the Ravens beyond the sort of like Sunday night game voodoo kind of concept, is watching them try to run the football is absolutely brutal with Joe Mixon. Like we had them, uh, we had Joe Mixon over, it was like 63 and a half yards or something along those lines last week, 65 and a half yards, it doesn't really matter. Point is he went under despite having a trillion carries last week. Mm-hmm. And like, that was painful because it was literally one yard at a time. Then the stats start rolling in about how he gets like minus yards be below expectation. Like all of these other teams that have shredded the Ravens defense have had other stuff that they can do, right? Like Josh Allen running the football, obviously. Like, you know, Tua has, you know, short passes and long passes to those speed guys. Like, it's kind of just Jamar Chase and T. Higgins at this point for the Bengals. So I think that's a little bit easier to defend. So, like, I'm probably going to end up here on Baltimore minus three. I'm probably going to end up on them, like, I'm probably going to like that a lot more later on in the week. But you honestly wouldn't be surprised if come Saturday I was like, no, Bengals money line, like, I've had enough of this Ravens team. Like, I just think yeah. it's probably too good of a spot here on Sunday night where I think you're going to get the best possible effort out of the Ravens and the Bengals just don't have that extra gear. I got you. I got you. And as we head into Monday night football, we got the Raiders at the Chiefs. Chiefs favored by seven points. You know and love how much I rep the Chiefs. The Chiefs at seven points. If this was at seven and a half, I would possibly be on the Raiders, but you know, I'm going to be on the chiefs minus seven and that's just where we're going to be. I will go down with Mahomes and company. Like I do most weeks that we sit here and do this podcast. So I was watching that Sunday night game and (laughs) you know, of course the, you know, obviously the kickoff fumble or whatever, and like mega eye roll and like, then the bucks go down and they only get three, which like felt like they might as well have just thrown the ball up into the stands at that point. Cause like, as we know, right. Three points isn't going to get you anywhere against the Kansas city chiefs. And I just thought to myself, like, this sucks, Mm -hmm. but it's also the type of game on a Sunday night with everybody watching against a good team that is going to cause people to lose money for the next like five weeks. Right. Like I, you know, we'll probably never track this. Maybe somebody out there listening tracks, tracks this, but like, I would like to know what, and again, maybe we'll remember, probably won't, uh, what the chiefs against the spread record is going to be for the next five weeks. Like come talk to us in week 10 and tell us like what the last five weeks were, uh, Mm -hmm. for the chiefs ATS. Cause this is going to go to seven and a half and it's a fair number at seven, but that's kind of the point, right? Like by Monday, it's going to go to seven and a half and it's probably going to be some like back and forth game where the chiefs are going to get a ton of points, but you know, who's also going to score a lot, the Raiders, right? And like, it's going to end up being 35, 28. And it honestly might be 35, 21. And the Raiders get that last touchdown to make it 35, 28 or, you know, something of that, of that ilk. Yeah. So it's just going to be, I'm going to wait around until Monday. Then I'm going to bet the Raiders at plus seven and a half. And I'm going to hate myself for doing it. And like, honestly, it wouldn't, I shouldn't say it wouldn't surprise me. I guess it would surprise me, but like maybe the Raiders win this game outright. I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I know. hear you. 
I hear you, my dude. I hear you. And you mentioned where things could be going throughout the week or, you know, as we head towards Sunday and even Monday, as you just mentioned. But I wonder here when I look at this game and other games this week, if I want to know where I can get more information from you, my friend, where can the people find you? Yeah, of course, at authentic. that you probably know by now. Everything that I write gets sort of tweeted out through there. Uh, and then, of course, at the score is the Twitter handle for the score. There's also at the score bet. But fundamentally, just get the app or app like betting news on this. Set your alerts to betting news. Anything that any of us do over at the score from a betting standpoint, alerted right over there. Same as always. I like it. I like it. And of course, you can follow me at Shell Alexander on Twitter, Sheldon Alexander on Instagram. And again, the reminder to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts here on the On Blast Podcast Network. We're wherever, you know, Apple, Spotify, all that fun stuff, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitch. Just search On Blast Podcast. You can find that. And we will try to keep to the winning ways because, like I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. Until next time, see ya.